0: The Data Reaper Podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Data Reaper Podcast. I am your host, Ridiculous Hat, and joined, as always, by Zacko. How you doing, Zach?
0: I'm doing great. How are you, Ridiculous Hats? Doing
1: okay. We're starting a little earlier in the morning than we usually do, but trying to get used to that. Listeners, thank you so much for for tuning in. I know that you were looking for a Data Reaper report on the website this week. There were nerfs. There were some car changes. They came out on Tuesday. We'll talk about them here. But that does mean that we can't really do a report with the data changing. However, in this podcast coming up, we're going to talk about those nerfs briefly and then give you some insight. Heard directly from the man himself, from Zach about where the classes have, uh, have landed and kind of what the report would look like this week if we had had the time to run it with the brand new data after 18.0.2 came out. But first got to talk about what changed. And that would be Elucia has changed from 2 mana to 3 mana. And Kael'thas, instead of his spells costing 0, now the third spell you cast every turn costs 1. These are pretty light touches, they're the only changes we got. Uh, and, Zach, I'm wondering what you've seen so far uh, as far as impact from these nerfs. What has changed, if anything?
0: I will say this, that these balance changes themselves did not really contribute to the meta that's developing right now. They didn't make a big impact. What we're about to discuss on a class-per-class basis are changes that were in the works anyway. Uh, K- Kalthus is a nerf that was influential and we'll, when we get to Druid you'll understand why it's definitely a change that made an internal impact in Druid but it didn't make an impact in Druid's performance per se, it wasn't the the, the change that uh, changed Druid's position in the meta uh, and the same for Elucia, Alusia is a card um, that was Highly influential perhaps on a perception level uh, where she felt really powerful and overwhelming, but wasn't exactly that. Um, I would say that Elucia before the balance changes was a good card in Priest, but wasn't one of the best cards in Priest. And now her mana cost increase really makes her even questionable. Um, Either way... Uh, Priest's position in the meta was not really influenced by the Lucia change. So these changes were important for gameplay experience. They These cards were nerfed for their gameplay experience. Even the developers said that. It wasn't a power level issue. It was a feels issue. And that's why they made these changes. And I agree with both of these changes, by the way. I like the fact that they nerfed both of these cards. But neither of these cards were the defining cards of their respective classes. So all the changes that are happening in the meta are, were going to happen kind of either, either way. And maybe the changes helped accelerate things uh, due to breaking some perceptions regarding some power levels of classes. For example, Druid wasn't as good as it was perceived to be. So perhaps the nerf to Kael'thas cause players to move away from droid quicker. But it was going to happen. So that's the important message that I have uh, regarding the balance changes.
1: Interesting. Yeah, the, the meta still doesn't feel solved anecdotally. And we, you had mentioned in the last report and on the last podcast that the second week report is usually where things kind of start to take shape. And now we don't have a second week report. So we get a little bit longer Uh, uh, in this brave new world of Skolomance without a really clear direction as to where the meta's going. But we're starting to see some things come together, and you've got your internal data here. Why don't we jump right in and talk about it?
0: I will say this. If we had a report this week, it would have already felt redundant a few days later. Because while I did say that usually things flesh out in the second report... The fact that we had these balance changes and there were also some decks that emerged very quickly just before the report was going to be released um, made for a very different meta. And if there was a report this week, I would have told you what I said last week, that things were going to drastically change next week. And what you really need to look forward to is the third report. So we kind of didn't miss out on too much and... As we go on to the classes, I will, I will talk about how these classes were, what their standing was pre-patch, what happened post-patch, and what's developing right now. But definitely, this meta has been pretty crazy in terms of how quickly it changes. Wow.
1: Yeah, Skolomance has proven to be a different experience every day in the latter, I, at least anecdotally. I can speak to that logging in. It's hard to know what's good on any given day, and a deck that feels great If you log out and take a day off and come back two days later, it's like, well, now I can't win with this. What's going on? And it's been really fascinating to see the growth and development. Still doesn't feel like we've seen the best deck, or at least we don't know that we have. But I do think there's some merit to saying that Secret Passage might be one of the defining cards of the format. Uh, At least it feels that way when my opponent draws it on an empty hand.
0: Agro was going to develop into becoming the deck to beat, regardless of balance changes. It looked like one of the three best decks in the game before the balance changes. It was it was definitely tier one material uh, and would have hit tier one in uh, the report that was canceled because of the balance changes. And it's looking to stay that way heading into next week. Uh, Aggro Rogue looks very, very powerful. Um, both the Steel Dancer build and the Hyper Stealth build that we featured in uh, the first week's report look very powerful. Maybe you do you change one or two cards. I'm still not sure about that, uh, especially in the Hyper Stealth build. Maybe there's a there's a card that you might consider cutting in that list, which is Backstab. Because what? it doesn't deal face backstab? damage, yes, we're cutting backstab? So one of the cards, yeah, we're ca- we might like there, we might end up cutting backstab from the hyper aggro rogue because it doesn't go face. You can't backstab face. So the card is actually pretty underwhelming in that list because you just want a fast opening with minions. You just want to put stealth minions in the board and punch punch face. Uh, there isn't really a matchup where you're incentivized to keep backstab, even in the mirror. Backstab is not that useful because the minions is stealth. So um, somebody plays a spy mistress against you. The backstab is just hanging around in your hand multiple turns until it's revealed. Sometimes they hold it. They don't attack with it for Greyheart Sage. So the backstab just ends up uh, clogging your hand and doing nothing. And then in a late game, dar- drawing backstab is really, really bad in that deck because all it wants to do is just get damaging. But yeah, other than that funny development that might happen next week, where we say to cut backstab. Uh, That deck looks very powerful. The Steel Dancer build also looks powerful. The thing is, though, that the rise in popularity of Self-Sharpening Sword and also Wrench Caliber is creating a response in running ooze and other weapon tech like Cobalt Sticky Finger So at the moment, as things currently stand where people are oozing it up, Uh, the hyper stealth build that isn't really hit hard by by ooze. It's not really doesn't really affect that deck that much as much as you know hitting self sharpening sword because steel dancer build is just so reliant on having you having a weapon equipped, right? Your card draw relies on that. Your steel dancer relies on that. There's so many synergies related to having a weapon that ooze just wrecks that deck. So if you just run the hyper stealth rogue, you just dodge those oozes and they're just pretty much useless against you, or they're very weak, and you just stomp uh, on the opponents. And um, yeah, Aqua Rogue has been stomping uh, pretty hard over the last week, and it's looking very, very good. Possibly the best deck in the format right now. We'll see if things change until the, the report that's coming uh, in a little less than a week. And it's very possible that things change based on how things have been developing.
1: Yeah, there's, there have definitely already been some responses to the increased Rogue presence. I have seen an ooze or two, though it's, it only really feels okay against Rogue. Against the Steel Dancer build, it can be, it can be pretty uh, devastating to get your self-sharpening sword hit, but uh, the, the regular stealth aggro builds, the lower-curve stealth aggro builds, they don't really feel all that vulnerable, and we, f- we get to cut Cult Neophyte, which a lot of lists were running now. Uh, and just go for a more streamlined approach. Has there been any particular change in the build that you've made personally, if you've been playing this?
0: No, I haven't been playing the the Aggro Rogue. I've mostly been playing the Miracle Rogue. And Miracle Rogue looks okay right now, but the problem is that the rise of Bomb Warrior has been a problem for that deck, as well as the the increased efficiency of Aggro Rogues, which are now faster, they're just better built, and that makes that matchup a lot more difficult. They just race your health total um, very, very hard, and it's difficult for Miracle Rogue to be able to race back, uh, especially when you're reliant on developing things like Edwin and questing adventures, which are answered by a sap. And most Agro Rogues run at least one, if not two, saps uh, right now. So um, Agro Rogue looks very powerful. Miracle Rogue looks okay, but has been suffering from um, some meta changes that stopped it from becoming one of the strongest decks in the format. Uh, It would have certainly gotten there uh, otherwise. Uh, But yeah, so Rogue, very, very strong. Uh, We'll see whether there's an effective response against it. I will say that Aggro Rogue is a very burn-oriented deck, so there might be classes with uh, good life gain options that could... um, counter that strategy but we'll see so far best aggressive deck in the format is going to be aggro rogue i recommend the hyper stealth build because of the increase in oozes whether it's correct to run oozes or not it's happening so you got to respond to that yeah makes sense
1: any signs of galakrond
0: galakrond looks pretty trash right now the meta is so fast and there's there are a lot of decks that pressure your life total very aggressively right now. Even the slower decks in the format are very burn-centric. You've got Bomb Warrior, you've got the Control Demon Hunter. We'll talk about that later. So a deck like Galakon Rogue, which plays it very slow and doesn't have signif- any life gain other than maybe a Kronx and the armor for Galagon, definitely not enough to offset the amount of damage that some decks are dishing out right now. So Galakrond Rogue is definitely, looks, dumpster tier uh, as a result of these changes in the meta.
1: Wow. Never thought I'd see the day. Now, here's a question. We haven't talked about this ahead of time, and this is not data. Do you think that if Galakrond had not been nerfed, people would still be playing it and it would still be relevant?
0: I think so. I think the mana, the mana cost increase, like the fact that you don't have that swing, on the turn you play Galakorn, you just play Galakorn on turn 7. Because in the, in the faster matchups, you're often forced to play Galakorn on 7. And if you cannot play the cards that you draw immediately, then that's huge for the faster matchups. right? If you have time to set things up and really play it slow, then the nerf to Galakorn is not as impactful. But in faster matchups, Galakorn is just dead. just 7 mana, gain 5 armor. so. Definitely, I think that nerf impacted whether this deck would be viable today. I'm not sure it would be top tier if it wasn't nerfed right now, but that nerf definitely helped push it out uh, at the moment. I am I'm grateful they
1: made room for other rogue strategies, and it does feel nice to hear you talk about SAP being a good card again. Been a little while.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's gotten a little bit worse because there are less druids. But it's still a very effective card in multiple matchups, and it probably deserves to be included either as a one of or a 2 of
1: And one ofs go a lot farther when you're, when you're drawing five cards for one mana.
0: Yeah, Secret Passage makes one ofs a little bit more viable.
1: Now, if we're looking at additional developments, a class that has improved and adapted over the past week or so is Warrior. And Bomb Warrior has emerged, I think, as the premier strategy for this class. We've seen it a lot in Grandmasters. We've seen it a lot on Ladder. Uh, and the build that we were talking about last week with Upgrade and Dr. krasnov that's really all in on the weapon seems to be the way to go. Uh, there are some builds out there that are doing well by Cutting, Risky Skipper, and Armorsmith. So, Zach, tell us a little bit about what's going on in Warrior and what you're seeing.
0: Yeah, so if there was a report uh, this week, if it wasn't canceled, then Bomb Warrior would be number one deck in the format but already we've been it's been a couple days since and bomb warrior is already not the best deck or the second best deck or the third best deck uh, in the format Uh, things change really really quickly from its rise the thing is it rose in popularity it was really dominant against the field um The build that Casey and Bunny hopper came up with with the upgrades and the and the green skin and the Krastenov, enough is very stressful to play against um it It puts so much pressure on opponents, especially in slower matchups and then there's another build that 's actually more popular right now, which cuts the whole pirates thing and just runs galcon and Cronks at the top end and things like whirlwind and Plague of Wrath, so you're just very reactive, you're just removing things while pushing the face damage through the wrench caliber, the continuously upgraded wrench caliber, and that has been effective. The problem is that if you're not running Whiskey Skipper and Armorsmith, your aggro matchups are (laughs) a lot worse, so the meta has been very ruthless in its response to Bomb warrior. You've got Aggro Rogue beating Bomb Warrior? It does. Face Hunter beats Bomb Warrior. If you don't run Armorsmith, that matchup is very very different. Uh in addition, slower decks, um things like Highlander Priest. It's very easy to tech in Highlander Priest. It's just very it's a low-hanging fruit. You're just it just the, the list kind of begs you. Just tech. Just tech even if it's not correct. You tech. It's just that, it's that little voice in your shoulder that's like, it's just one card. It's just one yeah, card. It's just one, it's just one card or two cards. I've seen lists that run ooze and sticky finger. So you run Zephyrus, which can give you an ooze. You run ooze and you run sticky finger. So you have like three weapon techs. In and the you deck. raise
1: dead back two of them.
0: And you raise that the ooze. Uh, yeah, it's just... And that changes things. That changes that matchup a lot because Bomb Warrior used to be significantly favored against priests, like just a week ago. And now that matchup is a lot closer because of it. So you have the phase decks that are pressuring the life total of the Bomb Warrior and punishing it for dropping Armorsmith. And then you have the slower list that just are very tempted to run ooze and weapon tech that just demolished that deck. And Weapon deck really demolishes Bomb Warrior because it's very all in. Its entire strategy is about having that Wrench Caliber equipped. Again, Cutting Class is a card that's its card draw reliant on having that weapon. So when you destroy the Wrench Caliber, you don't just take away the damage, you take away other synergies that are crucial for that deck to function. Um, so Bomb Warrior drop from its dominant tier one it would have been so dominant it would have been like an utter meta breaker in this week's report if there was one uh, but maybe it's a good thing that we didn't actually publish one because now it looks like eh, it looks like a tier two-ish deck um at the moment so i i expect that it will stay that way if it be, gets too popular then people will start tacking in oozes and stuff and if it's not popular then it might you know Maintain some some reasonable standing in the field. So it's looking pretty good. It is the best warrior deck though. Big warrior fell off hard. Big warrior is pretty bad against aggro rogue too. It's also atrociously bad against priest. Because you cheat out the thing with commencement. And then they just cabal acolyte, wave of apathy, and the game ends. So... You really don't want to queue into Priest as a big warrior. So that deck kind of looks dumpster tier or at least dumpstering pretty hard right now. And then we've got other warrior archetypes that don't see much play. I don't see a lot of enraged warriors at all. I can't not even comment on its performance with that kind of sample size. And, uh, you know, control warrior decks kind of disappeared. So that's it for warrior. Bomb warrior, really good. Very vulnerable to attack, which makes it... Uh, a little, can make it a little bit inconsistent. It looked unstoppable a week ago, and now it's looking like it's just decent, good, not super oppressive or anything.
1: Not even a week ago, it was it, on Tuesday. Three it was the days best day. ago, yeah. On, on Tuesday, th- and it's Friday. On Tuesday,
0: I went to I went to the Vicious Syndicate Discord and said, Bomb Warrior looks like the best right now, and it's been three days, we're recording it, this on a Friday, and now Bomb Warrior is like, okay, it's like tier two, right? something like that. So, the Would you
1: feature two builds in the report this week, one with Skipper, one without? Or do you think there is a superior one? Because it seems like they do have different meta considerations. Basically, how much Priest and Druid are you seeing versus how much uh, Rogue and Aggro otherwise are you seeing? Seems to be the really clear distinction there.
0: It's, It's pretty much between the slow matchups and the fast matchups. Right now, these decks are kind of, these variants are kind of similar in power level. I don't see something that's strictly better. But I will say, if Aquarog is going to continue to be this popular and this dominant, and maybe other decks that are, you know, very aggressive emerge, then, you know, you might want to get that risky Skipper Armorsmith back. So, I don't have a personal recommendation for today, but we'll see. We'll look into it next week's report, and then decide whether we feature both, whether we feature one, and what it is.
1: And I will speak personally... As a player that has been very much enjoying Turn 1 Spy Mistress, Turn 2 Sneaky Delinquent, feel free to cut Risky Skipper. Totally fine. I don't have a problem with it if you do. Just throwing that out there. So, speaking of reasons to cut Risky Skipper for real, though, we've got Priest up next. And Priest seems to remain popular on the ladder, uh, but the first two classes we talked about have decks that were pretty dialed in on how to beat it. What's going on with Priest, even without considering the elucia nerf?
0: So what, what, what I'm talking about re- with regards to Priest has nothing to do with the Eleusia change. And that is that Priest looked pretty powerful early in the expansion, uh, largely because it had a successful Highlander Priest deck that was kind of easy to build and easy to refine. And then things, kind of other classes became more efficient and Priest started tapering off pretty dramatically, I would say. So if Priest was like, if Highlander Priest were like, Tier 1 at top 1,000 legend uh, a week ago. And maybe a few days ago, it was kind of like tier 2, even low tier 2. Now it might even have a negative win rate. Uh, So Priest looks pretty vulnerable right now. Nowhere near as good as it's perceived to be. Its matchup spread is... Pretty mediocre. It doesn't really beat anything. Even Druid is transitioning into a build, and we'll talk about that later, that is a lot better against Priest. So Priest doesn't actually beat anything, any common meta deck consistently. When it does, it feels like it has all the answers, and then when you play against it, it feels like it's unbeatable. But the truth is that Priest looks like one of the more vulnerable classes in the current meta. And definitely not a top-tier class by any means. Really nowhere near that. Not the best class, not the second-best class, or the third-best class. It's looking okay. It's looking playable. It's competitive. But it's nowhere near being the best. Or nowhere near being one of the better classes in the current meta. So Highlander Priest looks okay. Okay. Gallicum Priest looks a lot worse. Um maybe it's still build-oriented. Maybe it's because Zephyrus is pretty important in the current meta, but either way, Priest is weaker than it's perceived to be, that's for sure. And we're we're
1: talking about last week's meta breaker, just to continue hammering home the point of
0: how fast
1: things are moving.
0: Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, unless you run Ooze and Sticky Finger, you're not going to have a good time against Bomb Warrior. Uh, and I'm not sure you should be running those cards. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, Priest is just not that great. Uh, it was looked really, really powerful last week, but now just everything just changed. Um, and it's kind of the Highlander syndrome, right? Easy to build, relatively easy to refine, does really well in the first few days. You have a card like a Lucia that players hate playing against at all levels, and when it works, it feels unstoppable, right? But Lucia is not that card. It's not that powerful. I would say that Kelthus and Druid was far more powerful than a Lucia and Priest was. Uh, and now that a is one mana more, and when you play a your opponent has three more mana to spend. Uh, playing your cards than you do uh, uh, wasting his cards and it's becoming more of a anti-combo tech a card that you specifically play in the late game to take away like key pieces or like burn from your opponent but early game it's a lot weaker like the application of when you go first and you play it on turn two and you waste your opponent's coin and maybe waste his one drop you can't do that anymore. It's a lot riskier to keep a Lucia in your opening hand, a card that was already probably overvalued in the opening hand before the balance changes. So, that's Priest looking okay. It's competitive. It's not terrible, but it's definitely overrated. I hope that
1: you sharing that information makes the average game length shrink a little bit on ladder because Priest definitely uh, they they take a little bit longer to win. But I agree with, uh, with that from my experience. And we look at the decks that we talked about a lot last week. Druid, you take every Ram card in the format, you play Guardian Animals. And Paladin, you take every Paladin card released in the last three expansions, you put them in the set, or put them in the deck. And you look at Priest, you take last expansions, Galakrond Priest or Highlander Priest, and you add in Raise Dead, Wave of Apathy, Cabal Acolyte, and you got a deck. And these might have been those week one darlings, just because they weren't too difficult to find, but it sounds like they haven't really taken hold the way that a lot of players expected them to.
0: It will be interesting to see whether people will catch up to the fact that Priest isn't that insane, or whether they will use the famous argument of it's high skill cap deck, which is why it's performing poorly. The answer is no, that's not the excuse that you want to use for a Highlander deck. Yeah, it's,
1: it's just not positioned well right now with the current state of meta developments. Now, Lord knows that could change over the next 48 hours as this meta has proven. But
0: Like, maybe in a week I'll say, oh, Priest is actually insane. I don't know. I'm saying what's happening right now. And it's yeah. just not looking great. That is, that is it.
1: And so what's happening with Druid right now? Speaking of classes that got a, got a card change.
0: Yeah, so Druid, as I alluded to before, is um, transitioning. Uh, the Kael'thas nerf was impactful. It was impactful because it impacted the survival of the fittest build. And that build definitely dropped off in its performance. Uh, when, when you cannot cheat out multiple big spells in a Kael'thas chain, the card is a lot worse. But the Malagos variant of Guardian Druid was not affected by this change. And while previously we said that the Malagos uh, variant was strictly inferior to the survival build uh, at the first week. Now it's looking like the Malagus variant could possibly be better than the survival build, which means that while Guardian Druid was definitely falling off in its popularity and win rate, regardless of the balance changes, it was going to happen. And the change to Kel'Thas certainly accelerated it. The Malgus variant means that Druid had the option to fall back to a reasonable variant that wasn't affected by the change. Therefore, the performance of Druid stayed stable. So now Druid is looking like a tier 2 deck. A pretty competitive, strong deck, but not an amazing deck. But it's not looking to possibly dumpster uh, because of the nerf to Kalthus. So try out the Malgus build, possibly. It could be the best build. We'll look into it uh, more thoroughly in next week's report, but that is my current-day recommendation for Druid. Gibberling Druid, still garbage. Nothing changed about that.
1: Fascinating. I guess it kind of makes sense. I'm not sure how I feel about the Maligos build being better with all this aggro, but I guess it does pretty well against Warrior and Priest, and Guardian Animals kind of shores up a lot of the aggro problems if you get that early draw. Wow, that wasn't what I was expecting to hear.
0: Yeah, it's pretty surprising. It surprised me too. But the thing is, what beats the aggro matchups is guardian animals anyway. Right? Yeah. Um usually it takes time for you to chain to get the multiple Kalthus chain. It's it, sometimes Kalthus happens on turn 4, right? And sometimes that happens. But usually Kalthus is uh is a stronger card in slower matchups where you have time to assemble some resources and get him to proc multiple times in a turn, which is one of the powerful turns of the deck in, in slower matchups. So Malagos Druid is definitely worse against aggro compared to the old Kael'thas Survival Guardian Druid, but after the nerf, you have less of a blowout potential with Kael'thas, making him a very, a strictly late late game card, kind of more of a late game card um compared to before and now the fact that Malagos Druid is worse against aggro doesn't doesn't change the fact that it's just better against priest and it's better against other matchups that have risen in popularity and also moonfire is not a bad card against aggro rogue too. Sometimes you just need the moonfire as spy mistress. So that card is not useless. You can't treat it as an inflexible combo piece. Um, so, yeah.
1: I'm trying to hold the pieces of information in my head, and so far, what we've talked about today, I'm dramatizing I'm here, Backstab, Bad, Moonfire, Good. That's what we've covered.
0: What a yep. weird meta. I will say that I wasn't the first. Like, It's not like we came up with Backstab possibly being cut... I think I tuned it to Orange's stream a couple days ago, and he was trying the Steel Dancer build without Backstab. So people already started thinking about potentially cutting Backstab in in a rogue burn deck. So it's not that crazy of an idea. And we're not that geniuses, not that big geniuses for potentially exploring that possibility. Well...
1: It's still an interesting development regardless. Um, before we move on to the next class, do we have any information on Broom? I know there's been so much hype about Animated Broomstick. At least there was like a couple days ago. It's...
0: The Animated the Broomstick looks like a reasonably decent card in Survival of the Fittest deck in the Kelthus build. The thing is, if, if that build's gotten worse, it doesn't really fit, you don't really have space for it in the Malagos variant. So, it could be that Broomstick ends up not being played in Druid just because of this internal transition, but it was it was a pretty decent card in the in the Kelthas build in the survival build. maybe as a one of it was good enough, I wasn't sure whether it was a one of or a two of, but it it, it probably would have gotten in to the attack
1: yeah we're we're figuring out all kinds of new and crazy card inclusions. It sounds like the further we move from what we think we knew from Ashes, the better, just because Skolamance has been such an impactful set. Um, and that might apply uh, the most to Demon Hunter, where we have seen the class finally have two true viable archetypes. Now, we should talk about the aggressive one first, but the, the talk of the town, and it seems like the, a lot of uh, a new version that's having a lot of popularity in qualifiers, and even in Grandmasters, is the Soul Fragment deck the a control Demon Hunter.
0: Yeah, so for Aggro Demon Hunter, not much a change, if at all. It's one of the stronger decks in the format. Um, before huh. the balance changes, yeah, it, before the balance changes, before the patch, it was looking like on the cusp of being a Tier 1 deck. It wasn't quite there, but it was close. And the balance changes kind of didn't change much about that deck's position in the meta. It doesn't really beat anything significantly it's pretty good against bomb warrior when it doesn't run risky skipper and armorsmith so it has a good matchup against that deck against the galcon version and it kind of goes 50 50 against a lot of other things so it's it's good it's uh it's a reasonable deck to take the ladder it's pretty successful if you want a stable aggressive deck that kind of has a chance against both things then Agro demon hunter is a good choice but really, the biggest news is um, the Control Demon Hunter. I'm not sure if Control is the appropriate term for that deck, but it is kind of a, a, a slower deck that relies on Burn. In many ways, it reminds me of Mage and Girl, the Burn Gunther Mage. Um, oh, my favorite deck of all time. Yeah, so that mid deck is very similar, or Mind Blast Priest, uh, Mind Blast Control Priest. Um, right, right, right. Um, from, a, from a year or two ago, where you have a deck that has removal, you have you had Dustbreaker two, um, you ran you ran a one mana one three. Um, this one is not as powerful as Cleric, but you had then you had the burn damage. You finished games with burn, and you you kind of went face when when it was possible to do so. So the Control Demon Hunter deck of today is kind of similar to those decks where it has some removal tools. It has pretty efficient removal tools, very strong defensively. But it wins through just smacking your opponent with burn. Um, and that deck is developing and looking pretty, pretty powerful, reasonably powerful. It does have some deficiencies. It's good in aggressive matchups, but it has issues in slower matchups. Bomb Warrior is hugely problematic. Druid is obviously problematic because um, you don't have single target you don't have great single target removal in demon hunter so in slower matchups if they develop big threats a druid or a paladin then you have issues with that it also doesn't consistently finish off priests though that matchup is fairly close but it definitely has some late game issues the good matchups for control demon hunter are the fast matchups where it utilizes Drake E Warblades to life steal all the damage away, right? You've got Lapidary, which is a great has great synergy with Warblades. So those matchups where you're just hard targeted in your life total uh, by decks that can run out of steam, uh, that's where this deck shines. Now, I will give you a tip on how to improve your control demon hunter experience on ladder, and that is Running uh, the build that was pioneered by Ike. Ike came up with a build that initially may, might have been frowned upon, but actually there were some really good ideas in that deck. And the first is running Battlefin. And Battlefin is a card. Do we run Battlefin in the deck with uh, Mystic? The answer is yes. Burn Mage and Ungurl ran Worm! and the Battlefin definitely looks like this deck's Manaworm. You just play a snowballing one drop. For one mana, you can deal two, maybe three damage with that card. and That's already good enough. That helps heal slower matchups because you play it on one. If it's not removed, it can do some chip damage, and that's useful. Also, contest aggressive strategies, so it's not a bad card against them either. Uh, pretty good. The other card is Glaive Bound Depth. More burn, more damage. Good follow-up to Marrow Slicer. We know that from the Agro Demon Hunter build. Those are the two cards that I... Um, incorporated into that deck that weren't previously or commonly played that look pretty good i recommend running both of these cards so that build is looking promising the one question mark though is Lorekeeper Polkit. i'm not sure about that card whether it's good enough uh, it's it sounds good in theory it also feels good when it works out but playing Polkit and then playing skull which draws you cards that are usually not playable is very, very slow and can get punished uh, often, so I'm not sure if Lorekeeper is a consistently good card in that deck, but other than that inclusion, uh, and again, Lorekeeper might not be necessary when you have so much damage, so you, you there's less important, if you run Adapt, there's less important on finding your Lapidaries in order to finish slower matchups off. So other than that one card, the, the rest of the build, I really like it, check out his Twitter, find him on Twitter, and Nat deck him without shame it's a pretty good list i love this
1: archetype it's been so much fun to play it definitely feels fresh and different uh and leans into the soul fragment mechanic which is brand new to hearthstone as of this expansion uh i will say that the decks you described Angoro burn mage mind blast priest this new demon hunter they all have the same thing in common everyone called them a different name Some people would call them Control, some people would call them Gunther after the player's name, or Discover Mage, or whatever. Uh, It's going to be very hard to find a stable name. We're calling it Control Demon Hunter right now. I've been colloquially referring to it as Fragment DH when I talk to people.
0: I've heard people call it Soul DH. Yeah. Soul Demon Hunter. The thing is, we didn't want to call it, we wanted to call it Soul Demon Hunter. The problem is, is that early in the expansion, there were aggro. Demon Hunter decks. Running the soul package. Some soul package. So you don't want to c- call it by a name. That isn't really exclusive to that archetype. So it was kind of difficult to name it. We'll figure out. Maybe we'll get some feedback. Maybe people will suggest new names for this deck. That are maybe better than a control. But it is it is kind of, of a reactive deck. That just finishes off Burn. Much like Control Priest with Mind Blast. Ones. Uh, and And that Mage deck. That Burn Mage deck from... From Un'Goro uh, definitely served as the control deck of that format. So it's not less important as long as we know what we're talking about. It's a
1: lot easier to be a control deck when you have Ice Block. It's, yeah. It was, it was a
0: very good That's control deck thing, ice block. when you could discover them too. Remember when Discover complaints were about discovering multiple Ice Block? That was the problem with Discover mechanic back then? Interesting. Look where we are now. It's.
1: The complaints have stayed the same, but the effects have changed. I will say I'm, I'm much happier about Discover now than I was when I kept killing mages and they didn't die. Uh, and, and speaking of aggro, de- aggro Soul Fragment Demon Hunter, Shaxi ran an aggro Soul Fragment Demon Hunter list this week in Grandmasters, so it seems like experiments with the class are not over. Of course, only one player, and they did okay this week, uh, but curious to see where the class goes. There's a lot of really interesting developments happening within Demon Hunter. Now, We're getting down to two classes, these next two classes that look like darlings of week one that have really fallen off. Let's start with Mage. Mage has a whole bunch of janky archetypes that don't seem to have gotten a bunch of traction. Uh, Tempo Mage was the most visible, uh, or what, again, the name here, I don't know what to call it, but the Cyclomage. We're
0: calling it Cyclomage. That's the VS name. I think it's a very appropriate name. Cyclomage. Don't call it Temple Mage? Why is this temple Mage? What is with this name? Like, first of all, I just generally don't like to call decks by the name Tempo. Because that kind of creates the suggestion to maybe intermediate or new players that Tempo is a concept that only these kind of faster decks should follow. No. Every Hearthstone deck plays for Tempo. Every single one. There is no deck that doesn't think about tempo. Even the most reactive uh defensive decks even holy wrath paladin fought for tempo on the board freeze mage in classic fought for tempo tempo is a concept it's not an archetype that's my rant my zacho rant for the week sponsored by just kidding um <laughs> but yeah so it's Cyclo mage Cyclo mage that's the name but uh yeah that deck um looked pretty good had Good potential, but much like Highlander Mage, both of these decks are suffering from the rise of Bomb Warrior, and Mage really don't like skewing up into Bomb Warrior. Highlander Mage generally doesn't like to have its life total pressured because Mage doesn't have good life gain mechanics. And then you have Agra Rogue, which is also pressures the Highlander Mage pretty hard. So you can understand why that deck kind of fell off a little bit, and. Cycle Mage does okay against Aggro Rogue, but it has other issues uh, in the current meta, and it looks like it's not going to be um, this massive potential. also has issues with uh, Control Demon Hunter, uh, also has issues with um, Aggro Demon Hunter. Generally, Cycle Mage is a little bit too slow to get off the ground, and there are a lot of decks that go hard and fast, and that makes... G- gives Mage a general problem of surviving in the current meta. I'm not going to say that these decks are bad. They're not terrible. But they're looking like mediocre, kind of where Priest is sitting right now. Um, So that's uh, something to consider. Now, Paladin started off really strong on week one. Looked like the best class on week one. Then, kind of falling off. Uh, Afterwards, after the response against it, as well as classes becoming more efficient, and now it's kind of seen a revival. So, from a deck that looked like before the patch, just a day before the patch, it looked like tier 2 ish at uh, high levels of play, at like top legend, looked like low tier 2, at legend, it was like high tier 2, something like that. Now it looks really strong at all levels of play. Pure Paladin is actually very strong right now. Even at top legend where, you know, people said, oh, this deck is like low skill, not good enough, exposed. And the reason why it's looking so good right now is because there are a lot of archetypes that have risen that focus on burn and pressing life totals. You've got Bomb Warrior. You've got Control Demon Hunter, two decks that are a little bit slower. You can't call them aggro decks, but they rely on burn damage. And when you play against Librum of Hope... You don't want to rely strictly on burn damage. And then Pure Paladin also does fairly well in against the aggressive decks in the current meta. Um, when, when if, if you ask me what were the two worst matchups for Pure Paladin, I would say the first one was Miracle Rogue. The other one was Cyclomage. And both of these decks have dropped in their stocks. Instead, you're running into Aggro Rogue, which is not a fantastic matchup. It's a close matchup even possibly slightly rogue-favored, but it's nowhere near as bad as dealing with questing adventurers and blackjack stunners. So Paladin's position in the meta drastically improved after it got worse, and it, ha- it faces a lot of pretty good matchups. Bomb Warrior, a lot of people say, oh, you, you shuffled the bomb, so that acti- deactivates the the Lightforge cards, right? the Pyro cards. Paladin doesn't care about that in that matchup. It's all about developing... Pressuring pressuring the Warrior's Removal Kit, and then you have the Sustain through the Librams, through the Diadrin, giving you more Librams. So usually you you get to kill the Warrior before uh, he can overwhelm you with the Bomb Damage, and that matchup is very favorite for the Paladin. So Paladin's looking pretty good, and definitely shouldn't be disrespected. Uh, It's not the best deck, but it's one of the better decks. In the current format, and that is true for all levels of play. We know that Paladin kind of falls off a bit at Top Legend and whatever, but it's still very good there.
1: So, Some of these matchups, even if you know what the Paladin's going to do, even if there's not a room for, for variance in play, uh, if you are playing Control Demon Hunter and you face a pair of 10-10s, it does not matter how far in advance you saw them coming. They are still going to attack you.
0: And Paladin really relishes... Really relishes... Playing against decks that rely on burn, like if their game plan is mostly burn, you're in good shape as the paladin because you have really good recovery. And since, like, a, a deck like Control Demon Hunter doesn't have good doesn't have single target removal, like Braggart just demolishes it. So uh, definitely, there's some good matchups that have risen that line up really well into Paladin and Paladin is a pretty good ladder choice throughout all levels of ladder and from a deck that looked insane to okay what's happening here to oh it's actually pretty good now this is the story of Paladin so far we'll see what happens next week maybe next week it will be it will look mediocre maybe next week it will be the meta breaker i don't know anymore had everything's changes every day i have no idea what's going on in this expansion Everything it's very
1: changes. yeah yeah it's just it's a lot to keep up with uh, and even when you're, when you're about to pull a report, nope, change some cards. Start over. Do some new stuff. Uh, I will note one thing with Pure Paladin against Bomb Warrior. If you were playing High Priest Allura, be aware the Spellburst can cast a bomb. You will take the five damage. Uh, you should be aware of that if you weren't before, uh, just so you don't learn that in game. Because if you learn that in game, you usually die. Uh, the other thing, you you finished Mage pretty quickly, Zako,
0: but what about. Turtle mage Turtle mage looks absolute garbage. Looks absolutely terrible. Looks like a meme deck supreme. It's not it's not going to happen. Like some I think uh it's possible to lose to Turtle mage. It's not a 0% win rate deck, but it looks like it's in the low 40s, which means it's not good. Yeah, that's hey, It's rough. better than Fireworks mage. Better than Fireworks Mage, yep. Much like any other deck in Hearthstone's history, almost. But uh, yeah, so Turtle Mage is not good. It's not looking close to being anywhere near good. It just not a solid game plan. Turns out Mage cannot play Depth Charge <laughs> and Sphere of Sapiens and Expect
1: to Win. Yeah, I I really can't believe in retrospect that 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 collection of 30 cards has trouble finding a win in a meta where people are uh, hitting you with self-sharpening sword and wrench caliber, but, you know, what a surprise. And also, speaking of decks that beat Turtle Mage, is it time for the return of the Smork? Are we face-huntering?
0: We're smorking.
1: We're smorking.
0: Face-hunter? Okay, face-hunter... Before the patch, day one before the patch, we ran an internal report just for us, just to see what was happening. Face Hunter was tier one. Tier one hat face hunter. And now wow. it's still tier one. Still tier one. Low skill deck, whatever, whatever, blah blah blah. At top thousand legend, tier one hat. Tier one. And let me explain why Face Hunter is so good right now. Because it might be the only deck in the format. The only one that beats both Agra Rogue and Bomb Warrior. It's very difficult to beat both of these decks. But Face Hunter can do that job. Because Bomb Warrior is not running Risky Skipper Armorsmith. So when you pressure its life total, it folds. Bomb Warrior is a burn damage deck. Face Hunter is a burn damage deck. But Face Hunter does that burn damage a lot quicker. In addition aggro rogue can be outpaced by the hunter you can outface the face rogue and that means you have good matchup against two of the most powerful decks in the format um now changes in face hunter potential changes if i were playing face hunter today i would probably switch the freezing and uh, pressure plate for explosive you just run double explosive that absolutely cripples Agarok. They play Spy Mistress, they play uh, Delinquent, they usually flood the board with stealth minions. When you play Explosive, you you shut that whole thing down. It's also phase damage, which is nice. Another possibility is the return of Toxic Reinforcements. We're not sure about that. I'm not going to give you a call that Toxic Reinforcements is now a lot better, but it does seem to be more important in finishing off uh, opponents like Bomb Warrior, for example. Which does have like shield block and things like that. So sometimes playing Toxic Reinforcements is really good against the Warrior. Which is slow to get off the ground. Usually they do nothing in the early game. So when they do nothing. And you play Toxic Reinforcements. And you can weave in hero powers before you get going. That can be very powerful. Especially when they don't want Risky Skipper anymore as well. So Face Hunter looking very, very good right now. Looking like... Possibly would have been this week's meta breaker. Um, Highlander Hunter looks okay. It's definitely competitive. It's definitely reasonable, but I think it, it's just been outclassed by the Smork. And if you want a Smork, if you missed the old days of Smorking with Hunter, there is no me- better meta to do it. Brandy um, Explosive. It will really help you in the Rogue matchup. You'll feel a lot more favored. If you run those, uh, that just two. Don't run three traps. Run the two explosive, and you just wreck them. So, yeah, it's a good world we live in without armorsmith. So, you just face hunter comes back.
1: Wow. Yeah, and having played some of this, the games feel surprisingly grindy sometimes. Face hunter can go long. Like, you can win a 10 turn game. It's not like you run out of stuff. Uh, Voracious given reader. How much we lean in the hero power. Yeah, reader is nuts.
0: Voracious reader is a perfect card for that deck because you just like it does have some anti synergy with toxic reinforcements if you play it in the same list but it just gives you so much more gas. And the thing is they have to kill the reader. Sometimes you just sometimes you put so much pressure on them that they have to leave the reader up for another turn which means three more burn cards are coming your way. Uh so very um very good deck right now. Just you just outrace the, the aggro rogues and uh, slower matchups also have struggles in uh, dealing with all the amount of damage that you can dish out. Yeah.
1: Imprisoned Thelma, still a good card.
0: Still a good very card. powerful
1: card. Yeah, yep. And there were a couple games I played with turn 1 Wolpertinger, turn 2 Thelma, turn 3 Tor Guide, face docker Hero Power and it felt unlosable.
0: And sometimes scavenger's ingenuity into Wolpertinger just wins. It's a 3-mana yeah. 6-6. Six, six. That's a powerful play. And you can just play it on one. It's pretty good with uh, Adorable Infestation. Very strong turn one, turn two follow-up. Um, so yeah, Face Hunter's back. Smork. Smork, Smork. I
1: did, not expect, I did not expect Adorable Infestation to make it into our Face Hunter decks, but here we are. Real good in Intrepid Initiate as well. Yeah, Two classes left. This next one, I feel like there are good Warlock decks out there. I feel like the class has a lot of tools to work with. But I couldn't tell you what the good Warlock decks are. It feels like it's still very much in flux and underexplored. What have you been seeing with this class?
0: Yeah, so Warlock's development has been arrested a little bit. And the reason is the rise of uh, Agro Rogue and Bomb Warrior. That's a huge problem for every Warlock deck. Even the, the Masochistic Zoo has a major issue dealing with Agro Rogues. Because they, if you damage yourself and the rogue doesn't need to do much in order to finish you off. And you get going too slowly for to 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 make to make things to make that uh sacrifice worth it. Because the flesh giants, they're coming down turn five, let's say. By turn five, your life total is gonna be at five against an aggro rogue. So that's uh definitely a problem. Also Bomb Warrior uh, especially uh, not just Zoo, but slower ma- uh, decks like Control Galakrun Warlock, which looked like a very promising deck in the first week of the expansion, is having major issues dealing with that. Generally, Warlock decks that are slow don't like to see their life total pressured very heavily. And there are a lot of decks like Control Demon Hunter and Bomb Warrior and Face Hunter and Aggro Rogue that pressure and target your life total, and that just throws you off your game plan. Now, adjustments are possible. The build that we featured in the first week, which which cuts the Dragon Package, is probably not correct in the current meta. You have to run Nether Breath in order to have that burst heal potentially with Morag Artificer. That's one of the ways you can potentially win this, these difficult matchups. But even if you do run that, even if you run the Dragon Package and adjust to these matchups, they're not going to become good. Um, It's not going to help you make that deck from where it is right now, which is pretty low tier uh, to something that's reasonably competitive. So Warlock is definitely suffering from meta developments that went straight up against it. And that stopped its uh, potential promising rise to the higher portion, higher tiers of the meta. Yeah, and last week,
1: I think some of the cards that we were talking about that were really... Defining what the what the better decks were doing, devolving missiles and plague of flames both came up, and they looked really powerful when people were running a lot of druid and paladin. Uh, but now the meta has gotten lower to the ground. The fun police have come out, and if you have plague of flames or devolving missiles against a face hunter, w- what are you, are you going to devolve their Wolpertingers? It's there's just a lot
0: less to hit. I guess devolving uh, lepronomes is not that bad. No, it's not not that good either. So. Yeah, the meta is very different, and that also affected Priest, by the way, because, you know, Paladin and Droid were the frontrunners of the expansion, and those played big, beefy stuff. And that thing falls to Plague of Flames, falls to Shadow War Death, it, w- it falls to Zephyrus. It was all about uh, cheap, high-impact removal to deal with big bodies. And now you're playing against stealth decks that you can't even target with single-target removal. Or you're playing against Face Hunter or Bomb Warrior that... Bomb Warrior doesn't even develop minions. It just develops a weapon and smacks you in the head. So all that high-impact removal is not as impactful anymore. So the meta has definitely changed from big, beefy stuff to small, little things that punch you. Um, and that doesn't translate well into Warlock's removal package. It doesn't translate well into Priest's removal package, and so on. So that's why a lot of these reactive decks um have changed their standing in the meta yeah and uh i am
1: big sad that soul fragment handlock does not look like it's going to be a thing because
0: that looked really fun but at least we have soul fragment demon hunter which looks like it's going to be a thing possibly especially if you run uh, ike's build i really like that build yes
1: it's a very it's a very fun deck to play but I just wanted to Life Tap on 2 and play Giant on 4 again, Zach. Is that so much to ask for?
0: You probably have to see a Meta Shift that targets all these uh, these Burn decks in order to see that uh, those decks coming back. It's just everything is about Burn right now. It's crazy. Even the slower decks are just Burn-centric. So that that doesn't translate well.
1: If I want to play self-damaging Warlock cards, I go to the Wild format. There's plenty of that going on there right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen, I've seen some screenshots. I've seen some screenshots. It's an interesting place. Um,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that Molten Giant is no longer in the Classic set. All right. So, one class left. So tell us, Zacco, why is the meta breaker this week Quest Shaman? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Please don't play Quest Shaman.
0: Shaman, potentially, with some refinements and some improvements, some smart car choices, could potentially make Tier 5. It can get there, I believe. Tier 4, let's not go crazy, right? Yeah, so Shaman, um, this isn't a joke, by the way. Shaman looks absolute garbage. I've seen Quest Shaman's rise in popularity. There's some hype behind Quest Shaman. Well, that hype is unfounded. The deck is nowhere near competitive. It just looks really bleak. And then Totem Shaman would look like like the only deck, the only Shaman deck that kind of stood a chance. Completely dumpstered in Swin' Raid, which we kind of saw coming. It was going to happen. Nerfs or no nerfs, uh, that deck is h- exposed very hard by rogues, by demon hunters. Think about playing totems against an aggro rogue. What does that do? absolutely nothing so shaman is donezo i just don't see a hope for it i see it being tier five six for the next four months unless significant balance changes arrive it just looks so far away and even in this meta that's so surprising and new things happen every every day and things change every day this is the one thing i can't see changing it just it's so bad Shaman is so bad. Yeah.
1: So, listeners, I'll give you a little anecdote here. Normally I avoid pulling up data from the, from the live app during the cast because it's usually... Uh, Zach knows the data. I don't know the data. But I just looked, just real quick, to, to guide the next question I'm going to ask about Quest Shaman. And I found out that the best matchup that Quest Shaman has is the mirror. And that <laughs> should tell you a lot.
0: That's actually amazing. It is the best matchup. You know, you, you, remember, you remember the jokes we had? We used to have jokes of, like, oppressive decks, like Jade Druid and Knights of the Frozen Throne, that by the time it ended up being refined, its worst matchup was the Mirror. And now we've come full circle. We found a deck that has its best matchup beat the, Yep. So, guys, yeah. if you keep playing Quest Shaman, it's going to get better. Just keep playing it. And when it reaches 30% popularity, we're getting to Tier 5. It's happening. Just play it. Forget about the ladder stars. They're not important. And legend ranks are better when you gain more of them. It's points. It's not a rank. Yeah. That's just math. Yeah, just math. Yep. All right. Well,
1: so the questions I have, open-ended questions. I have not prepared you for any of these, so let's see how it goes. What would you play on ladder? If you were queuing up a game right after this podcast, and what would you list as the meta-breaker? And are they the same deck?
0: So there are two decks that I feel are like underrated. So everybody knows that Aggro Rogue is good. So I'm not going to tell you to play that. But if you want to counter Agro Rogue and Bomb Warrior, Face Hunter with Explosive Trap looks very, very good against both of these. That's one thing. The second thing is, don't sleep on Paladin. That's the second message I have. Paladin is get, tends to get a little bit disrespected, but it's a, very, it's a top-tier class on ladder throughout all levels of play right now, even a top legend, because there are a lot of burn decks right now that kind of don't focus much on the board, and that helps Paladin's own development of, of the board because it's a class that's strong on the board but needs time to get going. If you play... Uh, uh, if you have like really powerful removal effects, it can struggle... But if you're just fixated on the face, if you're fixated on burning out your opponent, then Paladin is not going to be a good matchup for you. So Paladin can definitely be a, a smart choice for those willing wanting to counter that kind of meta, that kind of burn meta. So those are the decks that I feel like are a little bit underrated for different reasons. And um, Face Hunter should probably see more play. What hand ends up happening after that, I don't know. If th- If there was a slower deck that could... Rise that had strong life gain options, it could potentially be there. It doesn't seem to be Priest that much. I think Priest is a little bit overvalued, probably because of the manner in which it wins. But it's things have taken a a pretty sharp turn against it over the last week. So those are my recommendations for today. But those recommendations might drastically change by next week because we'll have a report. We'll talk about these classes in, in very, very thoroughly. We'll come up with the best builds. We'll come up with the best decks. And then we'll tell you next week what ends up being the best choices. But for now, this is my ladder tip.
1: There you go. Well, thank you, Zacho, for sharing that with us. And thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning in and listening. I think that'll wind down our show for this week. And uh, we will be returning. Next Friday, the 28th, we'll record another episode. Should release on Saturday, the 29th. And there will be a report on Thursday, the 27th, assuming no more cars
0: change. don't think they will. They won't. Uh, there's, no, there's no merit to make any more balance changes right now. The meta is still developing. I don't see a deck that's just really oppressive and really problematic. Everything seems to have some, some sort of answer. So I don't anticipate any balance changes in the, in the near future. Maybe in a month or so, but right now things are still shaping up and you really can't tell what's going to be the best a couple weeks from now or even a week from now. And when that happens, that's a good sign. That's a sign that the meta is still developing. And I don't anticipate that the meta will be settled or stale um, by next week or two weeks or even three weeks. It's going to take more time for that to happen.
1: What a breath of fresh air from the last two expansions. What a what a very different feeling, uh, where in Ashes we knew what the best deck was within about three hours. Uh, with, with DoD, I think it took us probably about a day, uh, maybe a day and a half-ish, the, the Spirit of the Frog build of Galakrond Shaman took a little while, longer to find, but still was pretty obvious that playing Dragon's Pack on five was something you wanted to do. Uh, and this, I, the only thing that I think we can speak to that's been consistent across all the data we've gathered, that Secret Passage is a good card. Um... Beyond that, it seems like there's just so much up in the air. It's a very different experience, and uh, every class has something to do. And what seems good one day might just not be good the next. It's, it's fascinating to watch, even though it's more work for you.
0: And there are good cards. Secret Passages is a good card, but you need to nerf this card right now. I don't think that any class right now merits nerfs. So there are powerful cards, and powerful cards should exist. Um, you don't want to fight... Your opponent with wet towels, you wanna have powerful stuff, you want to do powerful stuff that what makes the game cool, uh but nothing seems to be like out of line and I think they addressed two of the cards that weren't power level wise out of line, but they've kind of felt crummy to play against, which is the reason why they got nerfed so that was a good decision. Not nerfing other classes was also a good decision. I'm looking forward to how the meta develops naturally. Which has mostly been what drove this meta, not the nerfs. It's just developing naturally, and new things pop up every day that change the the field. And we have a very dynamic uh, meta right now. So I'm interested to see how it further develops. Yeah,
1: likewise. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week, and uh, as always, big thanks to Steven Sensei for our intro and outro, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
0: The Data Reaper podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at vicioussyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.